Hello and welcome to the Convenience Mix podcast, brought to you by convenienceStore.co.uk, Lumina Intelligence and The Grocer. Every four weeks, our experts will be dissecting the key trends impacting the UK convenience retail sector, sharing exclusive insight and the latest news coverage straight to your ears. Whether you work on the shop floor or in a head office, this podcast will provide you with actionable insight and best-in-class examples from across a thriving convenience sector. As always, please don't forget to subscribe via Apple or Spotify. You wouldn't want to miss an episode. My name is Blonnie West and I'm Insight Director at Lumina Intelligence. Over the coming weeks and months, we have some really exciting topics and trends to sink our teeth into, but I couldn't possibly do this alone. I'm delighted to be joined by my fantastic co-host, Aidan Fortune, editor at conveniencestore.co.uk. Hey, Blonnie. And Ronan Hegarty, news editor at The Grocer. Hey, Blonnie. Today, we're thinking about all things 2022. At Lumina Intelligence, we kick off the year with our Future of Retail report, thinking about key trends that will define the convenience industry for the year ahead. Today, Aidan, Ronan and I will discuss three key trends that we feel particularly excited by. And to do this, we'll be joined by some of the most innovative retailers around and experts who tell us what they predict next year will look like and what consumer trends will matter most for their businesses. Now, this first trend might actually be my favorite, and it's both of its time and has huge potential for expansion. We're calling it La Dolce Vita. So during recessionary periods, consumers tend to treat themselves that's regardless of their disposable income. So this is also known as the lipstick effect, and we predict we'll see it in full force in 2022. Our second trend is radical transparency, and that's been gaining momentum year after year. So consumers long for relationships with brands that go beyond the transactional with authenticity, ethics, honesty, and environmental and social governance at the forefront of fostering brand loyalty. And finally, the trend that we're calling net hero. So COP26 was not that long ago, and we had full exposure to carbon neutrality promises and claims. Provenance, buying local, supporting small businesses and local communities, and all working towards net zero and carbon neutral retailing all remain totally essential to sustainability-led consumers. So, La Dolce Vita, why are we talking about this now? Well, one reason is that treat missions have increased steadily over the last year in convenience. Aidan, how do you expect this trend to play out? Oh, there's a fantastic opportunity for retailers to embrace La Dolce Vita. And this can be introduced across the board. Um, we've seen this behavior before. Unfortunately, the UK has undergone two recessions in the past 15 years, and that results in a shift in spending with the everyday treat missions increasing. Um, people, you know, they, people stop eating out of restaurants and that becomes less of a priority, but consumers still want that dining experience. So they, they trade up in that way. And uh, there's also, you know, maybe instead of going uh, uh, to the pub on a night out, they'll they still want to scratch that alcohol itch they'll go for a higher price point of wine or some maybe some craft beers there's a great opportunity for retailers to offer those range of products that um, offer a value treat for consumers that are watching their pennies especially as it's looking increasingly like restrictions will increase for, for out of home and food service so actually 
quite a good opportunity for this trend with inconvenience. These are really tough times, yeah, for the hospitality sector. And, you know, as we see this rise of, of Omicron, it looks, um, incre- you know, confidence in going out is, is, is absolutely crashing. Uh, and it's it's a devastating for those in, in that industry. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, the tiny, tiny silver lining in society is that for is the convenience retailers and, and other grocers will, will will benefit as people sort of you know reach for um the same sort of treats that they might have got but going out to the pub or going out to a restaurant uh, these these are probably slightly more ingrained even throughout the pandemic but with this sort of rising wave then it's uh, it's something that is likely to sort of be the case certainly for the next few months we definitely saw that in the last lockdown you know the last winter lockdown which was you know last january to um april may and it was you know it was, it was a very tough time for people and so they do treat themselves it's uh, it's only natural um and that doesn't have to be totally, you know, uh, pushing the boat out. It's it's just, you know, buying an extra packet of biscuits or it's buying a, so it's a more bars of chocolate. But I think as well as the way with convenience re- retail generally sort of being there more for everyday meal solutions for groceries, um, more fresh alternative meals for tonight. Um, we are seeing that sort of rise up into you know, better choice of wines, better beer selections, and some of that. So, just adding that little bit extra into your range in terms of quality and choice could have a huge impact on sales. Definitely. But that said, for every good trend, there is a counter trend. And of everyone we spoke to, Anila Anwar actually had a really interesting perspective on the role of premiumization and all the treat missions for her particular consumer base. I don't think people will have enough money to do that. I think people are watching the pennies just now um, and don't have a lot of spare cash to treat themselves. I think people will be cutting back in 2022 with treats and personal like things for themselves that they're not going to have the money to, to treat themselves. <laughs> things are getting more expensive, electricity, gas, everything's just on the up, isn't it? And I just think that everyone's going to have a very tight budget. There's a lot of things that we'd like to sell, um, like luxury items that I know that people would normally have bought, but now they're just not buying it. Like, for example, our Christmas range, we have a lot of um, Christmas chocolates, boxes, uh, you know, novelty gifts, and it's just all sitting there. Nobody's even touched it, even though previous years they seem to have sold quite well. So it does affect us as a retailer, like, you know, making choices. You kind of need to um, sell things that people need more than rather than luxury items. And for me, the difference is really between premiumization and everyday treats. So it might not be a luxury Christmas gift set that it might be more of an incremental chocolate bar, scratch card every couple of days rather than uh, expensive premiumization. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's a a balance, and it's it's kind of a, a long term steady increase rather than just like let's go out and push the boat and buy that you know two hundred pound bottle of wine one night. It's um, it's yeah, it, it, it's it's a long term effect. So it's I, I would urge retailers to find a balance and really offer the value to customers that they feel they can that their customers can afford. And um, you don't want to alienate your shoppers especially now. Completely. One thing we haven't really spoken about yet is the interaction between HFSS and and this trend because they are kind of at odds as as self-care and indulgence missions are 
driving consumers to see stores, actually retailers are going to have to be more creative in, in finding ways to cater to these occasions, but also adhere to HFSS legislation. Because it's that balance between healthy and treat attitudes. And consumers have this kind of cognitive dissonance between the two, because although we actually asked them, we asked uh, whether they felt that HFSS would be effective in driving healthier choices. And about four in 10 people agree that it will. But of those people, only half think that it will actually impact them and their choices. So it's really them thinking that it will be effective, but really for others. So it's quite it's quite do as I say and, and less do as I do. Yeah, I guess it's it's about sort of how retailers can sort of cope with that in terms of how they how they range those products because people will still want the treats. You know, people will still, um, if they've been working all week, um, you know, come the end of the week, they might want, uh, you know, to to indulge yourself with some desserts and 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 puddings, things like that, extra, you know, so some crisps and you know for few beers things like that so people still will want those missions obviously the the legislation will impact how retailers can promote them how they can sort of run offers on such things and stuff like that but if if generally if you get your mix right and you know you have a really good offer that customers really want and they feel they can actually get everything they need in your shop promotions are not going to be the the be all and end all sort of things to come to that and actually people will still seek out that treat mission as long as it's at a decent price and you know they feel they're getting value and what about the interaction between between this and financial uncertainty increasing inflation supply issues rising costs how much do we think that will impact this trend it will have a big impact certainly um but again it's uh it's that sort of balance between, you know, we're seeing inflation across the board and we're likely to see it much more in the next two, three months as suppliers, you know, go back to retailers and uh, and try and push through these price increases. So that's going to be January, February time. We'll really start seeing that in stores, and you know, from then. But it's happening across the board. It's not just in convenience. It's happening in supermarkets. It's happening everywhere. So customers will be aware of that and, you know, it might probably have more impact on people sort of cutting back on the big spending, the big ticket items, rather than sort of these smaller everyday treats. And, and you know, yes, people will still see the pinch in their, you know, in their shopping bills, but, you know, there really isn't much a way around that. And people, will, because of that, will still, you know, they still want to enjoy themselves. They don't want to just, you know, put on a sackcloth and wait for things to get better. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like that's the essence of this trend, really, that it's because of those recessionary behaviours that it's, yeah, these everyday treats that are that are going to rise over the next year. Another key trend that we've been speaking about recently is radical transparency. And for us, this is especially important because convenience consumers in particular are becoming more environment led. And so this has increased in importance as the pandemic, obviously, has really reinforced the importance of human connection. So environmentally led values are some of the most strongly held attitudes for convenience shoppers. And actually, overall, these shoppers align with environment led values more than more than other values, such as price consciousness or health. So it's a real priority for shoppers overall, including convenience shoppers. Rona, did you um, have any particular takes on radical transparency? 
Yeah, as you say, I think it's something that's been happening over over the last couple of years. I think, um, ironically, uh, convenience retailers have always been sort of at the forefront of supporting their communities and and things like that. So, you know, while environment is the big the big issue at the moment, you know, we also look at you know things like food waste, poverty in local areas, and supporting food banks, uh, supporting charities, community groups, things like that huge part of, of of this thing that that customers really want to make sure that the retailers they're supporting are supporting their communities um and even going back a couple of years you know things like um you know research backing the black lives matter movement um and again you know the marcus rashford children's schools things like that uh, children's food for 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 schools and it's it, it you know these are you know things that you wouldn't necessarily uh, associate with how shoppers make up their mind when they're going to buy a, a pizza or buy a a, a, a packet of uh, a cornflakes or something like that. But it really does matter. And so to, to have that connection with, you know, to feel like you're connected to your customers, you know, and their worldviews as much as anything is, is really going to have a, it's been having a big impact. And going forward, it's just going to be even more important. Absolutely. It's, those reasons, they're not necessarily a reason why someone goes to a shop in the first place, but it's a reason to come back when they find out what the retailer is doing um, in, in their communities to help with this. Um, and independent retailers, they're, they're so well placed to do so. We saw with, um, there was the Suntory project last year, uh, this time last year, when they Suntory worked with re- retailers to find out where the pinch points were and provided product to support and it was a, such a morale boost for everyone um and that couldn't have been done at a, at a multiple uh, store level it had to, it was independent retailers were at the absolute epicenter of that and it was fantastic and i think we're going to see a lot more of that over the year and i think you know, consumers are savvy towards this they know what's going on especially in their local areas so I, I, if they know that a retailer is getting involved in these projects if they're uh, you know if they're helping out that creates a good feeling towards them and there'll be more um there'll be more uh, positive positive thoughts towards them yeah it's so true this is such a strength of convenience because they can be agile and they can be flexible and they can spot opportunities within their community and, and act in kind of a way that that feels right for them and we're seeing wider bigger brands try and sort of copy this in a way um and show that human side that that retailers are really well positioned to do. Um, I'm thinking about um, an example from Monzo recently, the the bank, um, and they were really striving for authenticity and um, trying to launch this campaign around mental health support for both their employees, but also their customers, which was kind of a bit of a step change for the brand. Um, They also announced a recent um, compassionate leave for things like pregnancy loss and fertility treatment, so this is a really good example of a brand appearing more human, whereas convenience is is human by by nature. You know, it's the face of the community. It's a it's a center that people um, can bond and 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 shop together in. Absolutely, and it's it, it sounds cynical, but retailers almost need to need to make more of it. You know, they're already doing so much work around these areas, so they have to really shout about it more. And it's um, it is incredible, you know, some of the work that they do, but sometimes, you know, 
quite rightly, they probably feel a bit modest and they don't want to blow their own trumpet. But, you know, they're out there day in, day out supporting these communities. And, you know, really, they've got to, you know, shout it from the rooftops about how they really are, because people in their community really will value that. And, you know, you mentioned, obviously, start environment. That is the big one, um, you know, by, by miles. And, you know, I think... As you say, the, I think the, the point of this topic, radical transparency, is that I think the time for just idly saying, "Oh, we do this or we do that," that those those years have gone now, and and shoppers, particularly younger, but actually, if you, you look at things like Extinction Rebellion and stuff like that, people's ages in the in organisations are right across the board. So people are are taking this um, taking this issue so seriously, taking it in their own hands in many cases, and uh, you know, it's. We've we've had obviously COP twenty six in, in, in a few months ago, but you know you can only imagine that come January once with Christmas out of the way and stuff like that, that campaign groups, people like that, it's just going to be nonstop. You know, trying trying to keep that that at the very heart of the agenda, and retailers just they can't just give lip service to it anymore. They have to really really do it. And Ronan, I think you're spot on about the promotion of it all. Um, uh, I was at a co op store quite recently and. Everywhere that they had some environmental focus, there was a sticker plastered shouting about it, and it was you, you couldn't miss it. And um, I, I think independent retailers maybe take a leaf out of that book and really just shout about what they're doing. Um, the reason they're probably not it's because it's just a, a day-to-day occurrence. The the staff structure is quite flat. I mean, it's a manager, a owner, a manager, staff. It's you know so that they're just dealing with these things on a day-to-day basis as they come up. Um, especially, you know, the Monzo staff issues. So it's taking stock and realizing, oh, actually, I am doing this. I am doing that, and, and coming up with a way of conveying that to the, to the customer is it's 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 going to be a challenge. But it really is just time for time for independent retailers to get a bit confident and maybe cocky about it and just start shouting about what they're doing. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And while we're speaking about radical transparency, we knew we had to speak to Michael Fletcher of the Co-op to get his thoughts on the future of this trend. So there's absolutely no doubt climate change is at the centre of people's minds, but also we recognise a broader understanding. You know, climate change is all about the impact in maybe 10, 20 years, fundamental impact in 10, 20 years. We can see the short term impact now. But actually, there are things happening today that um, consumers don't like. So uh, growers uh, not being paid a fair price for their goods. And that's why fair trade is so important to us. So, you know, we'll be pushing really, really hard on, on fair trade. Another one is food waste. There is no doubt that we're going to go into an incredibly challenging a couple of years economically. There's probably somewhere in the region of a billion and a half pounds of food waste in UK food retailers. You know, we've all got to do a much better job of redistributing that. Uh, We'll be stepping up our efforts in 2022, and I'm guessing and I'm hoping that all our competitors will do so too, because, you know, that food shouldn't be going to waste. You know, it is a central triage to get people out of food poverty. And let's hope we can all work together next year to make that happen. You know, we're really proud of our climate change commitments. We think they are industry leading the best plan out there in the UK, possibly in Europe, possibly the world. You know, we've committed that we will be carbon neutral by 2025 on co-op brands. So that includes our scope three emissions. It's a fantastic position to have. Our challenge is, is to make sure that customers are able to understand it. 
um, and how does it differ from other retailers and enable them to make an informed choice. You know, hopefully all retailers will take such a progressive view on climate change. It's absolutely true what he what he's talking about there. Um, you know, the co-op earlier this year, they rebranded a number of their stores, Co-op 26. Um, you know, they, they, they've made huge, huge pledges in terms of, you know, where they're going to be reducing their emissions, things like that. They're prioritizing vegan food. It's it, it's that they are making a real step change in, in their business. Um, but probably they need to go faster as much as anyone else, because it's it's the customers that are driving it. Absolutely. And um, we've seen an um, example of this earlier this year. Um, David Knight, a Budgeons retailer, he spoke to his customers about what they wanted. Um and he in, in enhanced his plant-based range because so many of his customers were um, concerned about envir- the environment. And that was the key driver for increasing that range. And it's he's absolutely smashing it in uh, in plant-based, as we saw in our previous episode, we, we discussed it. Um, so, yeah, I think what independent retailers can do is they can look at what the co-op's doing um, and take the cherry pick the best bits for their own business. They don't have to do everything. Not everything's going to work. Um, it's not the same structure but they can just pick the best examples from across the board and apply them to their own business. And last but not least, I'm really keen to get your thoughts on the trend for Net Hero. So for me, Net Hero really intensifies the focus and responsibility on retailers to tackle big issues like climate change as consumers are making similarly big changes, making more eco-conscious shopping decisions, cutting back, avoiding brands. These are all um, pretty big step changes that they're making. Um, Aidan, how do you see this um, coming to fruition in convenience? It, it, it's coming in already um, from a, you know, the, uh, the food dispensing pack- packaging free, uh, becoming bigger and bigger within the sector and also working with local suppliers to reduce food miles. Um, independent retailers have been performing elements of this for quite some time now if you look at our last two convenience retailer of the year winners both of their appeal or some of their appeal for both of them was that they worked with local suppliers on a massive scale um, and let's face it there are no losers in this relationship and then that process um, it's a product that maybe a major multiple isn't stocking the food miles are reduced and it's supporting the local suppliers and the local economy um, I think it's going to go to grow over the next uh, 12 months um, I believe that more retailers will seek out these more suppliers um and then on the energy side i think this will be maybe more of a and um, they'll be forced into it perhaps uh, it'll, but it'll be a happy by- byproduct of it um, energy bills are rising so retailers will have to look into ways of reducing their carbon footprint from that point of view and um, we've seen you know energy reclamation technology um introduce the stores, chiller doors, we've covered at length over the years, um, but it's becoming more and more prevalent in the sector. Yeah, I think that's 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 a really, really important point. It makes about energy. Um, we're hearing a lot about rising costs of energy prices. It goes back to, you know, to feeding into inflation all around, but um, switching to uh, more environmentally friendly energy sources uh, or, or, you know, switching to, uh, you, you know, um, more sustainable suppliers basically um is is an easy way of doing that um it's it's also about making it easier for the customer so customers i think from my, from my own personal experience you really want to make the right choices but it's not always easy and 
things like making it easy to return soft plastics, for example, um, is, is is something that you know retailers can really look to. Um, for a start, I think if you if you had that facility and a number of competitors in your area didn't, I think it would be a massive, um, you know, big flag for you to, to attract customers and probably attract customers you haven't had before. Um, I, I think things like that make, you know, my cupboard that currently is full of <laughs> soft plastics that I very much intend to get back, but it's not always that easy to do so. Um, so, you know, but I, every time I, I see a product now, I'm thinking about the environmental impact of it and, you know, I'm sure that's something that's been replicated across the, across the country. So something that that I think things that just think about how you can make it easier for your customers to to be choose environmentally more precisely. Yeah, I think you said it nicely. And in fact, Chris Noyce uh, shares the same views as us. I think convenience stores are really well placed to deal with the challenges of becoming more carbon neutral, reaching net zero and reducing their environmental impact. Uh, and that's in three main areas. First of all, the environment that stores find themselves in anyway. People shopping little and often reduces food waste as one thing, which is really positive uh, for the environment and for reducing carbon impact. And typically people are walking to the store. More than half of the people who shop in convenience stores walk there. And those customers are typically coming from within about a quarter of a mile. So again, really low impact when it comes to the behaviour of people coming into the store. The second area is about the way that convenience store retailers think about their business. Um, there is a lot of uh, focus at the moment on the impact of the products that they source, on the equipment that's used to heat and light stores, uh, and the energy that uh, that is sourced in stores. There's lots of local sourcing as well about products and, uh, and services. Uh, and there's a lot that retailers are doing about the way that they think about their immediate environment. So whether it be things like litter picks, planting trees... Um, more sustainable uh, environments immediately outside the store. Essentially things that retailers can control. And the third area that will be a, a big focus in the coming years is around what the business does for customers. And that's not just about providing um, sustainable options when it comes to products, but also about ways that people can power their vehicles. So we've heard a lot of uh, a lot of attention on EV charging. That's not just for forecourts. If anything, uh, forecourts are probably quite a small part of the solution around EV charging. We've heard uh, recently that if you have more than 10 parking spaces, you will be required to have EV charging points. So that's a, that's a challenge for the sector, but one that we are you know, very well placed to respond to. So in those three areas, retailers are already taking action. They're doing fantastic things in their communities. Uh, but this will only get higher on the agenda. And part of becoming a truly responsible retailer now and in the future is going to be about making sure that you are doing enough as a business in your immediate environment and for consumers to reduce everyone's carbon impact. Well, he's Chris's career, you know, he's correctly outlined three areas that retailers will need to focus on over the next year. Um, he also mentioned, um, uh, you know, charging for indeed the rise of electric vehicles. Um, that's very interesting. Um, it's if you've got you know ten spaces or more, you you may be obliged to have a, an EV charger. So retailers will need to kind of look at that over the next uh, over the coming years. Um, it's an exciting exciting changes for the sector. Um, hopefully they're not costly. Um, but as Rana said, it's just about really making it very very easy and straightforward for for the customer to be able to be environmentally conscious. Yeah, uh, as I say, it's, uh, it's 
I think retailers perhaps have to think, you know, what, how can they do it? How can, as you say, cost effectively, you know, inflation is an issue at the minute. Um, margins will be squeezed. Um, they may not have, they may not see this is the time to invest big, but I think look for those little wins and look for maybe the areas where they can do roll out initiatives. Um, speak to the wholesalers, speak to try and get support for this, these initiatives from other sources. So speak to their suppliers. You mentioned obviously collaboration with the, with big suppliers. This is an area that uh, is, is across the whole supply chain and it needs to be addressed. So um, it, retailers aren't on their own on it, but maybe they need to be looking at ones that they can really, you know, get, get behind perhaps without, you know, splashing out, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds. Yeah, there's a strong chance this will be a real focus area for coming legislation in, in future years as well. We've seen calorie labelling, HFSS. So now I know a traffic light system of eco scores is being trialled on British food labels, just allows um, shoppers to see visibility of the environmental impact of their purchases in the same way that they can see nutritional information. Yeah, all of this is coming down the line and, you know, Often, if it gets too late, it becomes really hard to start changing what you've already got. So, things. So, if you can get on board early with all of this sort of stuff and really get on top of things like this, then um, you know, from a perspective, it not only is it a halo effect for your business, but also, you know, it prevents a lot of pain further down the line. I think. Completely. And David Sharman had a really great take on the trend for Net Hero. What we found during the COVID crisis was that. Um, Suppliers that wouldn't ordinarily have supplied us um, because they have a route to market that involved um, going up to a fruit market or a vegetable market in London and then coming back out to a wholesaler that we were probably already dealing with. Um, uh, they didn't want to affect that before, but because that sort of all shut down, it meant that they had no route to market. So with the agreement of all the parties involved, we started dealing direct with these people. And you know what we found was that the quality for the customer and indeed for ourselves uh, was vastly improved because we were getting it onto our shelves possibly two, even three days quicker than we would have done under normal circumstances. And and really, this is the future because what we what we all want is to have the best quality food uh, and, and that's what customers are after as well and it's always quite difficult sometimes to get it pinpointed correct with your symbol group that it comes into them on day one and comes up to us on day two and we've then got three or four days to sell it uh, i think it will be something that other suppliers in the area i mean we are in the garden of england here in kent so there's everything available to us and i think that we will we will look more to having uh, to having product that is that is local uh, and is also in season so much more than we did before that we will actively go out and find these farms uh, that we can buy from just to just to try and get that quality improvement uh, and indeed in many occasions you know it can be slightly cheaper. It, it was a great example of just working with a supplier to um, make you know you know sensible and effective changes um and it improves his business improves his the shelf life of his products uh, helps out the local supplier and reduces food miles um again it's a win 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 it it can start really with small small changes i mean when we speak about 
um, consumer values and, and what motivates them, actually, there are some areas that convenience shoppers still aren't necessarily at the forefront of environmentally. Um, but there are a couple of areas that they are actually trailblazers in. Um, so things like um, the trend for UK locally grown food is a really strong one that convenience shoppers actually over-index in. Um, and to me, that really indicates this warming appetite for these kinds of values. We're also seeing it from, from wider brands. I mean, IKEA recently launched their IKEA Scraps book. So it's a cookbook that's entirely dedicated to cooking with ingredients that typically lead to food waste. And I think food waste is an area that it could be the new plastic, you know, it could be the the new focus area of sustainability, the the point that everyone's talking about, everyone cares about. Um, but a part of the way this trend is developing and growing, and I know that all of us three will keep watching this one very, very closely. Yeah, we've already seen I mean, movement in the food waste with independent retailers as well, with you know signing up to food waste apps. Um, independent retailers, they're well-placed to do so. They don't have to let the food go to waste. They can be agile enough to offer Trudy's uh, third-party services. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. I think, you know, actually now we've got several of these now operating within convenience, um, too good to go. Uh, Gander starting to take more of an impact sort of across in, in, in the mainland UK. And, and again, it's working, retailers working with experts in, in the sector to help them, you know, because, you know, they might not know how, exactly how to go about it in the first instance, but working with these th third parties like that, it makes it easier for them. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it, these are brilliant services that, you know really do make a big in impact i know we could go on and on about this but that's all we have time for today what an amazing discussion and i think roll on next year as always thank you for listening and thank you to my co-hosts of course don't forget to subscribe via your chosen podcast streaming platform so lastly for me to say happy new year and see you again in 2022